Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. If you have your Bible, would you open up there, 1 Samuel 26. Pastor Dennis, I don't know if y'all stand for the reading of God's Word. Is that okay? If we can, if your health allows you to, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word today? 1 Samuel chapter number 26. We're going to look at the very last verse in this chapter. And I want you to watch the wording here. It's really an incredible passage. 1 Samuel chapter number 26. Look with me at verse number 25 and watch what the Word of God says. It says this. Then Saul said to David, now watch what he says here. Verse number 25, here of chapter 26. It says this. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things, and also shalt still prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. For just a moment, I want to look at this passage of Scripture as the Lord allows us to, to move past it and concentrate on this subject today, from mountaintop to valley, from mountaintop to valley. Father, thank you, Lord, for the service today. Thank you, Lord, for the worship service. Thank you, God, for moving and guiding and directing in our lives. I ask now, Savior, that you truly would meet with us. Father, right in our midst. Lord, I'm going to pause right here and say this. Lord, if there is one here and they do not know for sure where they're going to spend an eternity, that today would be the day of salvation. Father, help us to see for just a moment, it's not living a good life, it's not being a good person, it's not voting right or being good to our husband or wife. No, Lord, it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that we're going to see you. Father, today is that day. Lord, there's a congregation here that would rejoice with one soul walking the aisle and saying, God, I'm giving my life to you. Father, in everything that we do and say and preach and teach, Lord, would it be for the honor and glory of you. Father, hide me behind the cross today. Say, give me the words to say. Father, when we walk out of these doors, help us, Savior, not to be talking about, well, a Super Bowl that's taking place tonight or where we're going to go and eat or you know, what took place or who took our parking spot. No, Lord, would we just concentrate on talking about you because you're the only one that's worthy. Father, thank you, Lord, for what you've done this past weekend. Continue to lead, guide, and direct. We love you, Savior. Your son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Have you ever gone through a season of ministry and or perhaps a season in your life where you really feel, felt like you were living a, a, a life that, can I put it this way, maybe was on fire for God? You felt like there was a time or a period in your life where you were growing and it was a natural growth. You would jump into your devotions and man, you, you felt alive. You jumped in your devotions and you felt like you were growing. You were talking to the Lord and you felt like in your life things were going well, whether with your grandchildren or, or, or maybe your great-grandchildren or your kids living at home or perhaps a teenager sitting in here today. You, you felt like things were going well at school, that, that you were almost, can I put it this way, alive in Christ. You see, alive in Christ is living the normal, can I put it this way, the normal Christian life. 
There are going to be those attributes and those attitudes of our Savior that you are going to, and I are going to have because if you're saved today, you and I have our Abba Father, our Savior, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The life that you and I now live as saved people is going to be a life that is lived through our Savior. When you and I got saved, the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of us. That means this, that you and I are going to take on those attitudes, those attributes, the, the, the way that Christ talks and acts and, and the way that he conducted himself on this earth is going to be naturally brought out from us. Why is that? Well, if you were to meet my son, Tommy, today, Tommy's 11 years old. He's my only son. And if you were to meet Tommy, many times there are those who know Thomas Shepard, me very well. They'll be around my son. And as they're around him, they say this, man, he is you made over. He's good looking. He's athletic. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. He, he is you made over. My sisters, I have seven sisters when I was growing up. And, uh, once a year, we get together with all of uh, my sisters and their families and my parents. And it's so funny. My sisters will look at my son and oftentimes they say, man, he is you made over. And to be honest with you, what they're really talking about, he is corny just like I am. He has a weird sense of humor just like I do. And, and he'll do these things and, and they'll say, man, he is you made over. Why is that? Well, the reason it is, is because my son is around me. My son is near me. My son is beginning to, whether I like it or not, good or bad, he's beginning to take on the personality of his father. The same is true in our life. You and I, the more we are around our Abba Father, like it or not, you and I are going to begin to conduct ourselves and the way that we live our life just like Him. It's a natural process that begins to take place. That's why the Word of God says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Then the way that you and I conduct ourselves, the way that you and I take on him, then we show forth that light to this world. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There are those times that we feel like, man, we are on a mountaintop. We have joy. We have peace. The Lord is working our lives. We got a good, clean bill of health. We're, we're moving on from a bad circumstance. I just, I feel like, oh, I could just take a deep breath. I'm alive in my Savior. Well, if you look at this passage of Scripture, this is really where we find David in his life. This is where we find him when we just read this passage of Scripture. Whether you're visiting with us or, or maybe a member for a long time, many of us know the story of David. Whether we are brought up in church or not, many oftentimes we find uh, that we know the story of David and David and Goliath or the things that took place in his life. The story of David really is a story that continues kind of low, but that continues to get higher and higher. And yes, he had a back and forth and he had some down times, but we find him in this passage of scripture, things really are going very well. 
In this same, we're not going to open up there for time's sake, but in 1 Samuel, the same book, in chapter number 15, we see the rejection of King Saul that we just read about here in verse number 25. Saul was rejected from being king because he did not follow God's command completely or all the way through. And because of this, the prophet is told to go to this man's house named Jesse, and God was going to anoint another king. The amazing thing about David and how famous he is and written about more than any other person in the Word of God, 54 chapters are devoted to his life. Uh, his name is mentioned some 1,100 times in the Word of God. When David is introduced, he is not even remembered. They, they take Jesse's sons and they line them up one after another after another, beginning with Eliab, the oldest, and they march them through to the prophet, and God looks at every single one of them and says, nope, 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 nope. Nope, nope. They get to the end, and the prophet has to ask Jesse, Jesse, do you have any more boys? Do you have any more sons? And, and Jesse kind of looks around. You know what? We actually do have one more. He's, he's the youngest. He's out keeping the sheep. And when David is introduced in 1 Samuel 16 and verse number 11, the amazing thing is, is that nobody even knew that David wasn't there. They all looked at his life, and he's not going to be anointed king. We, we might as well not even waste our time bringing him in. Now, this is not my message today, but let me put it this way. Friend, when you look at your life, never count yourself out for being used of God. The world may look at you, and culture may look at you, and friends may look at you, and your family tree may be fill in the blank. And there may be others that look at your life and say, well, they're never going to be used of God. Friend, I'm just here to tell you, if you and I will devote our lives to Him, He will and can, and I'm just telling you, wants to use our lives. But then we see in this chapter of Scripture, uh, verse number, or chapter number 17, uh, David gives those amazing words, is there not a cause, and picks up five smooth stones and walks out onto a battlefield and is used of God in a great way to kill this giant that nobody else would take on. He's going on this mountaintop experience. Then David goes onto the battlefield, and because of it, uh, uh, Saul gets very jealous of how popular David becomes. Chapter number 24, David is on the run. Saul comes into a cave and sleeps, and David had the opportunity to kill him, but he did not. Even though now they are nemesis, they are enemies, they're, they're, they're trying to, one is on the run, David, the other one is trying to kill him. Now, I know I'm moving a little bit fast, but we got a little bit to say, and this is just an introduction, so buckle your seatbelt here for just a moment. We'll be through this introduction, then we'll slow down a little bit. In chapter number 25, David continues to have great strength in the Lord when the uh, prophet Samuel passes away, and David, once again, is just, just, just being used of God over and over again through the ebb and flow of life. As we come to chapter number 26, Saul continues to chase David. David is up hiding in the hills, and Saul and all of his men lay down for the night. As David sneaks down with one of his warriors named Abishai into the camp. As they sneak down into the camp, David has the opportunity once again to kill Saul. In fact, Abishai, who is with him, says, look, David, now is your chance. Go ahead and take care of this business right now. Look with me at verse number 10 here of chapter number 26, and look what David says. And David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, talking about Saul, or his days shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. 
In verses number 11 through 19 of this same passage, uh, David is used in a great way once again to show his strength in God when he takes his spear, Saul's spear, he takes a cruise of water, and he goes back up into the mountain where he had been hiding with his men. Then he calls down to Saul that's still sleeping with his men. He's got some safety up on the mountain and calls down, Hey, Saul, could have killed you last night. I have your cruise of water. I have your spear, and here it is. The, the rebuttal or, or the communication then starts to take place between Saul and David. We see Saul's response here in verse number 21. Look at it with me. Then said Saul, Oh, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will no more do thee harm. Because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day, behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. Verse number 22. David answered and said, Behold the king's spear and let one of the young men come up and fetch it. The Lord rendered to every man that his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered thee into my hand today. But I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. Behold, as thy life was much set by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set by in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou my son David, thou shalt both do great things, and also shalt still prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. What an amazing victory for David. David hears on this mountaintop. Man, David, I, I've erred exceedingly. I've been a fool. You go ahead and go on your way. I'll go on my way. To be honest with you if, you, if we ended just right here, if we just said, all right, Pastor Dennis, that's it. It was a great story, kind of like one of them Hallmark movies that always ends in a good way. You're never going to be disappointed. It's, this, it's that Princess Disney type of movie that, wow, and they lived happily ever after. The end. Wow, click your heels, and that's wonderful. And we'll just head into an invitation, and isn't God good? Now, let me just say, we're not going to invitation. Some of you are like, oh, goody. <laughs> We're going to keep going here for a little bit, so just, just hang on for a moment. But if we stopped right here, we'd say, mountaintop, boy, great, isn't that wonderful? What a cool story of David. But unfortunately, that's not where it ends. In fact, look at one verse over in chapter number 27. Look at verse number one and watch the change here. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Oh, there's nothing better for me that... I should speedily escape in the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me to seek me out any more in the coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. Well, that's weird. Doesn't sound like the David we've been looking at. Doesn't sound like the, the David that killed a, a bear and killed a lion while watching the sheep. Doesn't sound like the David that was used of God to kill his, his tens of thousands. Doesn't sound like the David that marched onto a battlefield and took on Goliath. That doesn't sound like David who had great strength when the prophet died. Doesn't, man, that doesn't sound like David who, who could have killed Saul, his enemy, twice. It's, it doesn't sound like David, the one who, who's been used of God over and over and over again. I mean, joined the Philistines. Uh, this sadness has taken over. This, this unbelief. I mean, we're talking about one verse separated 
elevates this high from this low. I mean, what happened in David's life? Now watch this. Before you and I jump all over David and say, well, yeah, I'm telling you, David, I don't know what's wrong with him. Boy, I'm glad I wasn't there. Glad that wasn't me. Glad that's not written about me in the preserved Bible. I'm telling you, I'm glad I haven't been through something like that. Before we jump all over David's case, can you and I not recall in our lives those who used to serve God, those who maybe used to sing in a choir on a front line, those who used to sit right here, right here, right here, right here, those who used to be in the Word of God, those who used to be greeters, those who used to sign up for a nursery, those who used to play a piano, those who used to have a happy marriage, those who used to be on fire for God. Now you look at their social media, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or Twitter, and you jump on there and they want nothing to do with God. They want nothing to do with the local church. They want nothing to do with God's people. Can I just tell you for a moment, there are many of folks in our life that we understand, Pastor Fountain, that were once on fire for God. They were living the normal Christian life. They were happy and rejoicing and had the marriage and had the kids and oh, had the tie on and walked into church and served God and singing and played a guitar, whatever the case might be. They were there at one time and now when we think about them, they're no longer there. What happened in their life? Now, before we jump all over them and say, yeah, well, praise God, I'm here today. <laughs> Thank God I'm not as those who, yeah. I'm, I'll tell you, Pastor, I got a long list of people I can tell you. The Bible says this. You ready for this? Take heed lest ye fall. Excuse me, friend. There's not a person in this room. There's not a person in this room that is above being a person who this next year is not here anymore including this guy right here. There's nobody in this room that's above. Well, yeah, I'm telling you, that will never happen in my life. Friend, be careful. You see, there's a journey that was taking place for David. What happened in his life that brought him from being used in such a great way to where he is at now? Well, there are several key signs that someone is on a journey from a mountaintop to a valley experience. If you're taking notes this morning, maybe you want to write this down. Number one, there was a lack of prayer. Number one, there was a lack of prayer. Look at verse number one of chapter 27. Everybody will look at it with me. And if you don't, just listen to the wording here. If you don't have your Bible, listen to the wording. It says this, and David said in his heart. Did you catch that? There's no mention of David calling on God here. There's no David thinking about God or considering God. No, David is talking to himself. That means this, the conclusion that David came to, he came to this conclusion by himself. You see, you and I, when we start feeling periods of unbelief, that's oftentimes when we start feeling self-sufficient. You and I, there are things that are going to come in our life that you and I simply cannot fix. There are going to be those circumstances in our life that you and I simply are just not going to be able to say, you know what, money's going to get me out of this one. You know, health is going to get me out of this one. You know, wisdom is going to get me out of this one. All of us, whether you have, you and I will face a circumstance at some point that you and I do not have the power or the money or the wisdom to get us out. But I am so thankful that we serve an all powerful God that can and prayer to our Savior ought to drive us to the real 
realization that he is in control. The Bible puts it this way in John chapter 16 and verse number 33. These things have I spoken unto you that ye might have peace. In the world, check it out, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be happy. Be joyful. Put a smile on your face. Why? How? Because I have overcome the world. That means this. If you're struggling with a relationship problem today, my friend, God has got it under control. If you're having problems seeking God for the future in your life, friend, He knew your name a billion years ago. You have to trust Him that He knows your future. Sometimes it takes a, a moment in our life of standing still and letting God move. You've got a sin problem that has habitually come up over and over and over again. Friend, there is not a sin that God has not covered in His blood. Friend, know today that God is in control. What are you and I afraid of? Think about it. Now, let's just get real personal here for just a moment. Are you ready for this? Now, Pastor Dennis is not real. He, we have not gone through anything. He's not shared problems. He has not shared. Well, here's what I think you ought to preach on. Is that not the truth? Not one thing. He said, you preach whatever you feel like God wants you to preach, and this is where we're going to find ourselves. So just, just, just tune in and watch this. I love a verse in the Word of God that says this. So then after the Lord has spoken unto them, after his ministry, he was received up into heaven. Check it out. Sat on the right hand of God. Did you, did you, did you see the wording there? The wording here in our English language is this. He sat on the right hand of God. Sitting here is, is, is this, this, this foundation that God is in control. This sitting here literally means this. It means, this is so scary because it looks so little, but, oh good, I'm good. Okay, it means this, literally to sit. 2020 took place. And a little thing called, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's COVID-19, coronavirus. And everybody's life changed. Everybody's life. Business owners, maybe you lost a loved one to the coronavirus, We've, we're now hearing these words that we never heard before of the new normal and social distancing and, and, and control that we've never seen before and, and in other institutions. Can I just say, our life was turned upside down. Now watch this very carefully. While you and I turn on whatever your flavor is, CNN or Fox News or CBS or ABC, while we sit there and we fret and we worry and we watch numbers go up and down and stock markets go up and down and, and color-coded charts and how many are in the ICU and hospitals and, oh, we got to be careful and, oh, this and all that. And we're fretting and we're worried and we're back and we're forth and we're sweating and we're up at night. And how are we going to make it? How are we going to get through it? How are the local church is going to open? How, why is this? It doesn't matter where you're at today. Today, whether you're, you're on the spectrum way over here or way over here, there has been a lot of fret and a lot of worry this past year. And yet, here's what the Bible says about Jesus, who is in control of everything. Here is what he is doing. He is sitting on the very throne of God. He's not up. He's not fretting. He's not worrying. He's not scratching his head. He's not saying, man, I, I thought, God, we had this all in control, but I never saw 2020 coming. No, friend. He's got it all in his hands. My friend, I'm telling you this. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with today. It doesn't matter what sin. It doesn't matter what relationship problem. It doesn't matter what bill. It doesn't matter what worry or concern or health problem. I'm here to tell you, friend, you and I have a Savior that is in heaven, and He's leading and He's guiding and He's directing, and He's not worried about it. Yeah.
Oh, no. <laughs> He's got it all under control. What I love about this verse is, look, look at this. Well, this verse says this. And David said in his heart. You know what David's doing? Mm, I don't know. I guess I can put it this way. He's having a pity party. Now, don't you get on to me. We all love pity parties, don't we? We love getting on Facebook and, oh, this is going wrong in my life. And, oh, the health problems. Oh, I got this bad. Oh, the bill. Oh, it's not fair. Oh, the election. Oh, the... And we just, we just want everybody to, oh, brother, it'll be okay. Now, look, I, I, I know, I, excuse me, I know I'm not the only one. I do it with my wife. Oh, honey, I just had the worst day today. Just so my wife would be like, oh, honey, it's going to be okay. You're the greatest thing ever. I'm like, yeah, you said it, woman. That's right. <laughs> we all love that. Oh, it's going to be okay. Here's what David said. David said, oh, he said in his heart. Oh, woe is me. Yeah, I know what Saul just said, but he doesn't mean it. Oh, I, I, I'll never be able to overcome. Guess I'll go down the Philistines. Guess I'll, I guess I this. This is going to have to be it to bring me happiness in, in our life. Friend, let me just put it this way. You and I are never going to be able to be used of God in our, in our greatest capacity if we're constantly looking in the rearview mirror of life. You and I have to move on for the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I can look at 2020 and even our life care, have we not? We look at 2020 and, man, it was bad. It was rough and there was a move and, and we were hurt and, and this took place and that took place. And graduations, we couldn't be there. And I got a 90-year-old grandmother I can't visit because she's in a nursing home. And, oh, woe is me. I'm I'm just telling you, I could have an oh, woe is me pity party, or I could stop looking in the rearview mirror of life and start looking forward, looking forward to what God can do and what he's going to do, friend. I understand that the, it's a pandemic and it's bad, but I'm just here to tell you, God is still seated on the throne, and there's people right here in Moses Lake that need the gospel of Jesus Christ and a smiling face and not someone who's negative on all the social media, but positive. Why? Because you and I have our Savior. And what I'm putting this, this way today is this. I think it's about time, Pastor Dennis, that we started getting very bold in our prayers. Not these little prayers that we know is going to come true. Or a prayer to God and then uh, if it doesn't work out, we got plan A, B, and C. No, I think you and I have got to start pouring our heart out and becoming so bold that we truly comprehend that God is seated on the throne. Why? Because bold prayers honor God. God. And God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your boldest prayers or your biggest dreams. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. Why? Because they do not require divine intervention. But just ask God to part the Red Sea or, or just ask God to make the sun stand still or to float an iron axe head. And God is moved to omnipotent action. There is nothing that our Jesus loves more than keeping his promises and answering prayers and performing miracles and fulfilling dreams. It's who he is and it's what he does. And you can tell that somebody is on this journey from mountaintop to valley experiences when they stop talking to God and they start talking to social media and a friend and a mother-in-law and a mom and a dad and, and this and that and friends. And, and we go to every health professional and we forgot the very one who has it all in control. And his name is Jesus. Now I get it. 
Yeah, we can say, yeah, good preacher, amen. But aren't we guilty? I'm guilty. One of my best friends is sitting right here. Yeah, easy it is. Uh, Somebody's leaving the church. Pastor Dennis, you just won't believe what they said. You won't believe what they did. You just can't believe. I never went to the one who already knew. Uh, you, Hannah, you just, you, know, just, you can't believe what's taking place. You just can't believe. And it's a lack of prayer. And see, sometimes even the, the heart might be right. The circumstances are right. But the way that you and I go about it is all wrong. Who's going to build that church up there on the hill? Well, that's right, you know going to be able to give and I'm going to be a no, no, who, who's going to do it yeah, we can have campaigns we can raise money we can all give but, but what happens when a church gets on their knees and starts saying God we can't do this alone this is a church that has millions of dollars in it at least I don't think so but mine sure isn't if it is trade you <laughs> it's not where's it going to come from it's got to come from God. You see, first of all, when a person's on a, this, this, this journey of a mountaintop to valley experience, number one, there's a lack of prayer. But number two, would you write this down? There is a lazy conclusion. Now watch what the Word of God says here. And David said in his heart. Now watch. I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. <laughs> Look at the wording here. There is nothing better for me. What a conclusion. <laughs> oh, David, has God worked your life? Yes, without a doubt. Have you seen him do great things? Yes. So what else has God for you? I don't know. I think there's just nothing better for me. When we live a life that is not dependent on God, you and I reach bad conclusions. When our heart is not concentrated on, or when our heart is concentrated on life's problems, our view of life is going to be distorted. When our view, watch it very carefully, when our view is through the view of CNN, our view on life is distorted. When our view is through the view or the lens of everyone else on Facebook, our view is going to be distorted. It's how we look at a circumstance. True story. I can remember Carrie and I were just married and and, uh, I think we were married for about uh, two years, maybe two and a half, Then we had Tommy, our youngest son. Tommy at the age of about four months can... uh, 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 contracted is the word I'm looking for, a uh, skin disease in his life. And, and uh, you'd say it's kind of like a, an extreme eczema or, or just a really bad skin condition. And uh, up until this point, we had tried everything. So I know the first thing some of you are doing is thinking, oh, you know, I know what you need to do, goat's milk and uh, essential oils or try this. Or that. Trust me, we, we've tried everything. And for 11, 10 and a half years, we've been working through this and and Tommy had this skin condition, and it was just an extreme, extreme skin condition. I was pastoring West Virginia, Pastor Dennis, and I remember so vividly, just, just, it's still as picturesque in my mind, walking into my wife's, uh, uh, Tommy's bedroom. My wife was in there, and I was about to head to church, and as I walked into the room where my son had been sleeping, I looked into his bed. 
And Tommy's legs each night would bleed out and his arms would bleed out to where it looked just, I don't mean to be grotesque, but just looked just almost like a murder scene in his sheets every single night. As I walked in, I once again saw that scene. As I looked down, there was my wife and she was holding our little baby boy in her arms. And, and it wasn't like Carrie, a very strong woman. But on this day, a tear was coming down her face. As I walked into that room, a pasture fountain, I'm telling you, my heart just sank. I began to have th these feelings. Have you ever been there, gentlemen? Where you just have these, 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 this thought of why. Lord, I've given my life to you. No, I'm not talking about a, a, a proverbial fist in the air. I'm just talking about a quick, quick thought. Of, I tithe. I've hazarded my life for you. I gave my life to go to Bible college. I'm a preacher. I sow win. I hand out tracts. We serve you faithfully. We're not making millions. We're, we're not out in the, the world. We're not living it up. No, God, I, I do all this. And God, this, this is how I'm repaid. With a simple glance this way, you could give my son new skin. I believe that. God, with a simple glance, you could give him new, beautiful, purple little baby skin that a baby is supposed to have. I remember, guys, at, at that moment, I don't know if you've ever been there, but I, I honestly did not know what to say to my wife. You ever been there? Well, honey, it's going to be okay. No crying today. Come on now. Let's give it to God. Well, let's get down and pray again. You know, let's, let's, let's go to another, let's go another skin doctor. We're going to be there. I mean, what, what, what do I say, Lord, in a situation like that? I've been there. As I looked at my wife thinking of how to encourage her, I'll never forget what my wife said. As she's wiping the blood off of the, our little infant's legs, she looked up at me and she said, I sure am glad I have a son. The preacher got convicted that day. The man got convicted that day. I'm looking at the eyes of a distorted view of why me? Why is this happening? And how could you let this happen, God? My wife's looking at it through the lens of Jesus Christ who, God, you blessed me with this little boy. And yeah, we got to wipe his legs. And yeah, we got to spend some money on some, uh, some professionals. But oh God, I sure am thankful I have a son. Friend, I'm here to tell you, be careful coming to a lazy conclusion that you know what? There is nothing better for me in my life. Friend, I don't care how old you are. Maybe your the Bible puts it here that, that hoary head in this room that uh, you know that uh, that you've been through life and you've got the wisdom, you've got the gray head. Maybe maybe you're in here today and you've lost your husband or or you lost your wife and and you're sitting here as a widow or a widower and you say, you know what? I've I've served God. Yeah, I'm at the end of my life and I guess there's just nothing really better for me. I think one of the things that hurts a younger generation more, Pastor Dennis, is when an older generation looks at a younger generation and says, well, you know what? It's their time. It's them. I guess I'll just have you ever heard this? Be put out to pasture. I'm here to tell you, friend, don't you ever have that thought. Don't you ever give those words of a discouragement down to a younger generation because as a millennial, we're looking up to you. We need you. We need your marriages. We need your smile. You've been the one to raise kids. You've been the one to been through the ups and downs of life. Don't ever come to a place you say, well, I guess there's nothing better for me. Friend, in your life, whether you're old or maybe you're young like Carrie and I and you're raising kids and, and you're kind of going through this life and saying, well, 
I, I don't have the talent that, uh, you know, Brother Brian has. Uh, I can't teach a Sunday school class like so-and-so. Or I can never sing like Pastor Dennis. And, and I can never teach or, or preach like so-and-so. So I guess there's nothing better for me, friend. I'm here to tell you that is so far from false information. It's so far from biblical teaching, friend. If you want to be used, God can use you. Don't you ever come to a place you say, you know what? I'm done or, or I'm this or I'm that. No, that is a lazy conclusion, friend. We need you in this fight. Every one of you. Amen. Pastor Dennis and I have talked many times about the, those who battle, you know, the greatest generation or Generation X, Gen Z, Millennial, and this and that and that. And I'm just telling you, have we not come to a conclusion? Fed up, friend. Done. I don't care how old you are. God can use you. And he wants to. A lazy conclusion. Let me just, let me meddle a little bit and then we're going to move on. A lazy conclusion is this. I'd serve God, but just don't have the time. There used to be a time in our nation when little leagues would plan a game or practice around church. I've heard, I wasn't alive, but I heard there used to be a day and age when restaurants were not open on Sundays. I think, that's what they say. I'll Google it later. But it's because restaurants knew the owners and the waitresses in the United States were going to be in church that day. Come a long way, haven't we? Now, even as God-fearing, Bible-believing Christians, we plan our entire life, and then if we can fit church in, we'll fit it in. Ah. Well, Pastor Dennis, I'd be there tonight, but there's this thing called the Super Bowl, and to be honest with you, excuse me, friend, what's more important, learning about God's Word or watching a football thrown down the field? Oh. Pastor, you're meddling. You're just, oh, boy, this hurts. It hurts. <laughs> we'd go to camp, but we've got this camp going on. We, we'd be there. We'd go to the youth activity. But, you know, the, we will plan our entire lives. And our conclusion is this. You ready for this? We don't have time. Moms and dads, we have time for what we want to have time for, don't we? We do. Well, I'd be there, but I'm telling you, I'm just, oh, pastor, <laughs> Carrie, did we not hear this? Uh, Bible college for the last three years, and Brian and others in here, you remember this. Man, I talked to college students that, you know, why weren't you there? Why didn't you get this done? Turn this head. Oh, oh Brother Shepherd, I'm busy. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm just, uh, you just, 18 year old, oh, you just don't know how busy I am. Boy, I just got so much going on. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm raising five kids. I'm working on a master's degree. I'm traveling 12 weeks a year. I've got a wife and, and a mortgage payment and a car payment and I, I'm, I'm teaching a, a Sunday school class and, and, and yet oh I'm so sorry little Sonny that you're so busy and it's funny that we all think we are just so busy Pastor Dennis Miss Anna we love to be there I just thought you do you don't understand we are just so busy oh 
are so busy. I don't even want to tell you how busy we are. Let me just, let me show you my cow. Let me get out my cow and just show you. Look at this. I got to take all these pills in the morning. I got to take them in the afternoon. I got to take them at night. I got to run my kids down here, run my kids down here. They got practice, practice, practice. They got to be here. They got to do this. Jeopardy comes on at 630. If I miss Jeopardy, buddy, I'm telling you, my life is ruined. Look, we can go through and we can look at, and I'm just telling you, we can, are you ready for this? We can plan God right out of our lives. The lazy conclusion is we're too busy. Can I just tell you, friend, we ought to never be too busy for God. He is a God that wasn't too busy for us. I'm glad 2,000 years ago when he stretched out his arms on that old rugged cross. He didn't say, I don't have time for this. But he thought of you and he thought of me. When he cried out, it is finished. You see, there's a lack of prayer, a lazy conclusion. But watch very carefully and I'll be done, Pastor Dennis. There's a looking for relief. Look at verse number one and watch what it says. It says, and David said in his heart, I shall not perish one day by the hand of Saul. Yeah, there's nothing better for me that I should speedily escape in the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me. To seek me any more in the coast of Israel. So shall I, look at the wording here, escape out of his hands. David said, I need help. David said, I need relief. So what does he do? He runs to the world. He runs to the enemy. He runs to the Philistines. He wanted some kind of short-term relief to find a void and a hole in his life. So he ran where he shouldn't have run. The problem is when you and I chase short-term relief, it's just that. It's short-term. You see, only God has the power to fix your life. You and I have to stop looking for joy and happiness and relief. I'm looking for peace. Some of the most miserable people I know are those who are trying to be happy, trying to find something to fill, fill a void in their life. You and I must stop looking for these things and start looking to the person, Jesus Christ. It was John chapter 3 and verse number 16 that says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Friend, I'm here to tell you, watch, some people are going to make you feel tired, and there's those that are going to make you feel dirty and ashamed and unable to meet their expectations. But oh, how God makes you feel the opposite. God is madly in love with you. His love is not altered by who you are or where you've been or who you've been around. He wants you and I to drop our defenses and to accept his embrace. He doesn't want you for what you can do. He wants you for who you are now. He said, I, I, I want some relief. I, I'm sick of searching. I, I, I've got to get away from this, this scenario. I've got to get away from, from this, this running. I've got to get away from this health problems. I've got to get away. So what does David do? He, he runs to the Philistines. Why? Because 
because he was sick of life. Friend, have you ever been there where you're sick of life and you're sick of the news and you're sick of what's taking place in politics and you're sick of the grotesque uh, filth that's coming out of Hollywood and you're sick of this and you're sick of that and you're just saying, man, I'm telling you, Pastor, I've got to have some relief with what Jesus Christ has said this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My friend, if you're searching today, if you're looking, friend, you can search every mountain, you can cross every ocean, you can take every vacation, you can own every car, you can climb the, the corporate ladder, your 401k can look really healthy, but I'm here to tell you, if you don't have Jesus Christ living inside of your heart, you will never find the joy and the peace and the happiness that only He can give you and I. You say, well, Pastor, that sounds really good, but you don't know where I've been, and you don't know where I come from, and you don't know my family tree, friend. You're exactly right, and I don't need to know. I'm not a priest. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man, the, uh, God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Well, you don't understand. I, I don't think He died for me. I don't think He loved me. In fact, there's not many people in this world that loves me. Friend, I don't care where you are or what your family tree is or what you've done in your past. It is Jesus Christ that said this, I love you and I gave my life for you. In fact, the Bible puts it this way, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You say, well, I've been a good person and I try to get to church and well, Pastor Dennis, I'll even put some money back in that offering plate back there. And I tell you, that ought to do pretty good. Once I get there, hopefully he'll let me in. No, the Bible puts it this way. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You think he'd accept me? Pastor, you really think he'd take me? You really think he'd save me? The Bible says, for whosoever, you know what that word whosoever means? Everybody. It's not one side or the other. It's not just the rich or the poor. It doesn't matter what your skin color is in here today. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. What's whosoever means this? Everybody. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, you want relief today? Give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I gave my life to the Lord and things still aren't going very good. Yeah. I get it. You know, even the disciples, 12 of them that traveled for over three years with Christ, they went through some downtimes. They, they, they went through some disbelief. <laughs> I mean, there are times I just think, and my name's Thomas, and not to doubt, but I just think like, dude, you, you, you walked with him. You spoke with him. You watched him calm the storm. You watched him healed the lady with the issue of blood. You, you, you watched him literally walk on water. You watched him touch the leper and the skin become whole. You watched him go up and, and, and touch the, the, the man who was, they literally called a maniac. They couldn't even chain him. He'd break the chains. You watched him walk up to him and touch him and turn him into a missionary. You, you, you watched all that. And yet when Jesus began to explain what he was going to do, he couldn't take it. 
And Jesus looked at their discouraged hearts and said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we not know now whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What are you looking for today? I think it's about time, Pastor Dennis, we turned off Facebook and got our face back in the book. I think it's about time we turned off old CNN, Fox News, and started looking for that blessed hope. I think it's about time we look to the great physician. And Lord, start working in my heart and in my life. You see, many of us might go through a mountaintop to valley experience. We never knew it. Where's our prayer life today? I wonder. I'm not sure how the altar call works here. We have an altar call where people come down. So let me ask this. Maybe, Pastor Fountain, when's the last time we hit our knees? Ooh. Yeah, so-and-so. Pastor, they really needed this today. Ah, But what about us? Carrie, what about us? When's the last time we hit our knees? God, I don't know what you're doing, but I need you. God, I I don't know what you're doing, but my grandkids, they need you. I don't know if you realize this or not. America needs God right now. We don't have a Democrat or Republican problem we have a problem that the gospel's not going out. And we've worked so hard to win policy that we've stopped winning people. And yet, what would happen at Moses Lake if on Sunday morning, February 7th, we stepped out of our comfort zones and got down here and said, oh God, Moses Lake needs you. They're looking. They're searching. They're about their business. Going here and going there and they're shopping and they're drinking their coffee and yet they don't know you. What if we stepped out today and dads brought our families down? What if husbands, we brought our wives down? What if single moms, we stepped out today and just got on our knees together? What if there was an older generation that maybe they couldn't kneel but just sat where they were and just began to call on him, God Please don't let me go from mountaintop to valley. I need you. My teenager needs you. This church needs you. When's the last time maybe we just stepped out and just got our knees and said, God, protect our pastor and his wife. Don't let them go on a mountaintop to valley experience. Put a hedge of protection around them. What if we stepped out today? If God can turn the world upside down with 11 men, minus Judas, what could he do with us? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it's been an encouragement to you. 
And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.